This is Dr. Jonathan Hansen. I'm the president of World Ministries International as well as Eagles Saving Nations. Please go to my website, worldministries.org. That's worldministries.org and see what it's all about, both WMI and ESN. We've got to have a national repentance, a revival, a great awakening, or we're going to lose the republic. And Christians are going to be persecuted. Okay, this is the Feast of Tabernacle season. Uh, this is actually today, September 30th, 2023. And for this year, it started last night. The Feast of Tabernacles, that season. And it will end uh, next Friday evening. And so we're going we're gonna to be celebrating it then too. But I'll give you a little preview a little bit about uh, what the feasts are all about. You have the spring feast, you have Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, and Pentecost. Now, obviously, each one we could discuss for hours at a time, but I'm just going to let you know Passover, basically, the lamb's blood, uh, looking forward to the blood of Jesus Christ, that last sacrifice and perfect sacrifice that gives us eternal life. That's what it's all about. Unleavened bread, dealing with sin, we need to deal with ourselves daily. Jesus took our penalty on the cross, but we need to now, if we want to say, work out our salvation with fear and trembling. In other words, don't purposely sin. If you do, say, God, forgive me once you recognize you're in sin. And nobody's perfect. Just get married and you'll find out. Right. If you don't know, your spouse will tell you. But uh, first fruits, resurrection day. <laughs> That's always in. The, amen. That's resurrection day. Resurrection day. I have eternal life. Now, this is a live audience, if you don't know, with children. Uh, you've already heard. I'm, this, we're at World Ministries International Campus, and this is our college chapel. And then again, we have Pentecost the Holy Spirit in power. That's what we need and that's what Eagle Saving Nations are all about. Once again, the power of God coming upon the body of believers to go forth without fear and intimidation, with power and authority, speak the truth. Truth takes away deception, prayer brings conviction. Stop this communist takeover. Amen. Again, we need the power of God, Pentecost, like never before. Again, worldministries.org, worldministries.org. Check out Eagle Saving Nations, please join with me. Let's get into the stadiums and see the mighty move of God. And now the fall feast. That's what we're in today is the fall feast. We're going to look at trumpets today. Trumpets. We are in the fall feast. Now, I'll tell you, Feast of Tabernacles, Sukkot, Feast of Booths, it began last night, September 29, at sundown. It ends this Friday. October 6, 2023, at sundown. Now, I'll give you the difference. Every year it's a little different because we're under the Gregorian calendar. Uh, it's named for Pope Gregory VIII, who established it in 1582. It's a, based on the sun or solar calendar. Sun or solar calendar. Uh, the sun god. The Pope, and Anyway, we don't follow the Pope, but in America, we're still following the Gregorian calendar. The Jewish calendar is a moon or lunar calendar. The solar calendar is 11 and a quarter days longer than the lunar calendar. So there's the difference. It changes every year. But now let's look at, again, trumpets. Trumpets. That's what we're celebrating and teaching on today. I'm going to be talking next week on atonement and then on tabernacles itself. But the Feast of Tabernacles, it was the last required feast season. 
it included Feast of Trumpets, Atonement, and Tabernacles. Now, I'm using as my notes, obviously, the Bible. Leviticus 23 goes into the, all of the feast. Uh, also, Jesus in the Feast of Israel in the book uh, by Richard Brooker. And uh, there's so many other resources. But uh, again, trumpets, atonement, and tabernacles. As with Passover and Pentecost, all Jewish males were required to journey to Jerusalem for its celebration. So, if you were a Jewish male, you'd be required to go there. Now, the Feast of Tabernacles was celebrated during the Hebrew month of Tishri. This is the end of the harvest season. It was also called the Feast of Ingathering, you know, gathering the harvest, Exodus 23, 16. By this time, all the harvest was complete and both the land and people were at rest. Ingathering, you know, we're getting ready. The first four seasons feasts have been fulfilled by Jesus Christ. The next three will be fulfilled when he returns. You know, the trumpet of the Lord, atonement and tabernacles, the Lord with us forever and ever. So this is what we're talking about. He's going to ingather his people very shortly. And he is pulling together right now the bride of Christ to come together because we're in a great falling away and, and it, we're going to see very soon who's a real Christian and who is only one by name. Because if you're one by name, you will take the mark of the beast. They're trying to force things on you right now. And uh, only true Christians understand the seriousness of her and the, the evilness of it and why they want to depopulate the world. The clear teaching of the feast season was that God wanted his people to learn to rest in him. We don't have to be afraid. No matter what the enemy does, we can rest in him. Look at the apostles. They died for the Lord. Most all of them did. Martyrs, they rested in him. Do you know who you are? We have eternal life. We never die. When you understand that, you become a danger to the enemies of Jesus Christ because they can't intimidate you any longer. They can't blackmail you. We're not afraid to die. And then you are dangerous. Up until that time, they can use things against you and you compromise and you go along with the flow. At the end of the harvest season, again, the Feast of Ingatherings, the clear teaching of this feast was that God wanted his people to rest in him, not to be afraid. It represented a third of the major encounters that the believers can have with God through the person and work of Jesus Christ. Now, the Feast of Passover teaches us God's peace. Pentecost, God's power. Tabernacles, God's rest. You know, we're, we're in a fight right now, but... The Lord is going to return, and we're going to be resting and celebrating for eternity. You know, the, the, the bride, Passover lamb. I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm looking forward to that great celebration feast uh, that the Lord is preparing for you and I. And, and it talks about it. I know we have good food here when we have our pot blessing, so to speak. Everyone brings something. We have a great food and great cooks here, but let me tell you. Sorry, ladies, but you will not compare to heaven. Amen. And uh, I can't wait for these, uh, you know, for the delicacies of heaven. Because uh, even though I love the cooking in this room, don't get me wrong. But uh, I don't think you can, you can uh, <laughs> compare with what God has prepared for us. Amen? Amen. 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 What you say, honey? <laughs> the feast of Passover, God's peace. Pentecost, God's power. Tabernacles, God's rest. Now, we want to look at, again, um, trumpets today. Trumpets today. 
we might want to take note that the religious feast were religious seasons representing God's dealings with the Jewish people as a nation. Okay? Uh, they symbolize major encounters between God and his people. By the long summer months when there was no feast, you know, we have the spring feast, and after that, the Feast of Pentecost, then a long summer month, and now the fall feast. But uh, that represented basically the time of the church, the church era. Uh, pretty soon the church era will be over, and the Lord Jesus Christ will return with a shout, and those that are dead and alive will join him in the air. You know, the trumpets will blow. And then he himself will take care of evil governments, remove them, put in righteous leaders, and uh, either the church has done a good job, some of the church and some of the church has not done a good job, they've been asleep. But man's time of dealing and representing him as ambassadors on earth, we're supposed to be salt, take dominion, rule, reign, occupy. If the church has done its job, we'd have no problems in the nations, but the church has not done its job, and the nations are under evil men, and America is about ready to lose its, its freedom because the church is dysfunctional in America. Jesus will return, and our job will be over. If you've worked hard for him and have not compromised, represented him in truth and reality, let me tell you, you'll be one that will rule and reign with him, and uh, maybe he'll commission you you know, I'd love to take over Washington State and put uh, uh, our governor in his place. What do you think about that? Amen. And uh, anyway, praise the Lord. So, the Feast of Pentecost continues right to the future prophetic time of the Feast of Tabernacles. We're in that time of Pentecost. We're supposed to move with power and authority, right? That's what Eagle Saving Nations all, is all about. Get back to the basics. Jesus said, Terry, don't even try to represent me until you're baptized with the Holy Spirit. Problem is too many people are trying on their own merit, their own efforts, and they're failing miserably. That's why you don't see miracles. That's why you don't see casting out demons. That's why a lot of pastors don't even recognize it because they're failing miserably because they don't obey the commission of Terry and don't even try it until you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. So this, these are the instructions, the marching orders. You say, you know, why, where are miracles? Well, if you're not continually baptized in the Holy Spirit, you're not going to see miracles. You're going to read about it. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to give your excuses why they don't happen today. Well, they don't happen today in your vanity because you are so vain, you don't think you need to do what Jesus said in Terry. You think you can lead the church on your own merit. And that's the problem. We cannot lead the church with our own strength. We need the Lord. Again, there was another feast, and we're talking about now the Feast of Tabernacles. The key purpose of this discussion right now, if you look and you talk about Leviticus 23, 22, you shall leave them for the poor and the stranger. I am the Lord your God. The stranger. Who is the stranger? The key word for the purpose of this discussion, stranger, it refers to the Gentiles. The story of Ruth and Boaz in the Bible uh, Boaz was a rich Jewish landowner. Ruth was a Gentile, a Moabite, who gleaned in the fields. Ruth married Boaz as a result, became a partaker in the covenant promises God had made to Abraham. Okay, thank God that we have been grafted in. We are part of the same body, uh, the body of Jesus Christ. I will make you a father to many nations. God promised Abraham. And we are grafted in. We are grafted in to the vine. 
Ruth married Boaz. As a result, we are partakers of the promises that God made Abraham. Likewise, likewise the Gentiles have become partakers in certain of the covenant promises of Abraham through their spiritual marriage to Jesus Christ. Boaz is a type of Christ. Ruth is a type of the church. I think it's more coincidence that God put this together for us to, to study. Type of Christ, type of the church. The church period fills the great gap between the two comings of Jesus. The first coming, death on the cross, and now his second coming. He became the first time a Passover lamb who died for our sins. He sent the Holy Spirit to initiate the age of the church. When the church age is over, he will come a second time as a lion from the tribe of Judah to rule, not only as king of the Jews, but king of kings and lord of lords. So he won't come back just for the Jewish people, but he comes back for all nations, all people, all those that know him as Lord and Savior. And even if you don't know him, he comes back as your judge. The prophetic significance of the Feast of Tabernacles is it represents the end of this age and the return of Jesus Christ and his final encounter with the Jewish people. Paul summarizes it all uh, in Romans 9 through 11. Romans 9 through 11, if you want to look it up. Now, the main purpose of the Feast of Trumpets was to announce the arrival of the seventh month in order to prepare the people for the Day of Atonement, which was 10 days later. Now, the seventh month was special because it was the last month in the religious season. It was a time when God would complete his dealings with the people for that year. It was also the last time they were required to go and journey to Jerusalem and follow the following year <clears throat> at Passover. Now, the day was not marked by any special events other than the blowing of trumpets and the offering of sacrifices. Numbers 29, 1 through 6. You know, Jesus was our great sacrifice and the trumpets will blow and the dead and Christ will rise. And on and on and on, if you study the book of Revelation, you see the different trumpets and they have meaning. I don't have time to get into explaining you Revelation today. But uh, the Hebrews always blew trumpets on the first day of the month so everyone would know the month had arrived. Numbers 10.10. But on the Feast of Trumpets, they blew them extra long and extra loud and they blew them all day. The type of trumpet blown was a ram's horn, for which the ram's uh, Hebrew word shofar, the Hebrew word shofar, ram's horn. The shofar was blown in remembrance of the ram that was sacrificed in place of Isaac. Genesis twenty-two thirteen. Jesus took our place, and so we wouldn't have to be sacrificed or judged God used the trumpets of the Old Testament as a means of communicating with his people, his covenant people. God could not speak directly to the people without them being terrified. So he spoke to them indirectly through the use of trumpets. To the Hebrews, the sound of trumpet represented both the voice of God and the might of God in warfare. Voice and might. Originally, two silver trumpets were blown, but they were re later replaced by the shofar. The silver trumpets were made from the same source of silver. They were blown to assemble a people to worship, to break camp in order to move on, and as an alarm in preparation of battle. Again, all the way through the book of Revelation, uh, if you study it and you see the various 
times that the, sh the shofar, the trumpets were blown, and you, you'll see again that final time and uh, battle. You know, the Lord comes back as a man of war, a commander in chief, uh, the, the, the general in charge. And uh, I'll tell you what, it's going to be fun. Uh, I'll tell you what, it's going to be fun to remove evil men that are led by demons and to have no concern over a people that they systematically uh, kill through various creative, ingenuous, uh, demonic ways, uh, like vaccinations. Um, one of the clearest demonstrations of the use of trumpets in warfare is the story of Joshua at the Battle of Jericho. Now remember, Moses died. If we have relationship with God, it doesn't matter. Uh, we just continue to move on with the Lord. If your parents die, if you have a relationship with God, you continue to move on with the Lord. Moses is out of way. Joshua continues to move on with the Lord. What the Lord did through Moses, the Lord would do through Joshua. What he did through your parents, he'll do through you if you have a relationship with him. There is no difference. We have to have our own faith. It has to grow, and God will work through you as he's worked through anybody in the past. He's no respecter of people. You can see miracles. Now, Joshua encountered one, uh, identified himself as the commander of the Lord. Joshua 5, 13 through 15. This commander of God army gave Joshua a strange battle plan. When you wait on the Lord, God can give you creative ideas, a battle plan, strategy, what to do, how to do it, maybe where to move, things like this. He can give you clear direction. The key is wait on the Lord and don't move ahead of God. Don't become impatient. Well, God, you didn't move, so I made my own decisions. Well, you might have a lot of problems with your own decisions. Wait on God. That's the key. You'll recognize somebody who's willing to wait on God, how mature they are or how immature. Don't move without God speaking if you don't want a problem. So the angel told Joshua to march his army around the city one day for six days. Seven priests were to follow the army, each blowing a shofar. They were followed another group of priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant, who were followed by a rear guard. All were to march in absolute silence. No one was to say a word. Wow. Let us be in unity and let God be in charge. The only noise was the sound of the shofars blown by the priest. On the seventh day, they were to march around the city seven times. Everyone was to be still. Then a certain point, Josh was to give a command for the priest to blow one long, long, loud blast on the shofar. Then everyone was to shout at that very moment, according to the commander of God's army, the walls of Jericho would fall down, enabling the Hebrews to take the city, Joshua 6. Wow! What a battle plan. What direction. The shofar, war, victory. Joshua carried out the battle plan given to him by the commander of God's army. We can be led by the Lord Jesus Christ ourselves. We can know by the Holy Spirit as he directs you. It all happened just as God said, and the Jews soundly defeated their enemy. As God spoke to the people and used trumpets to fight their battles for them, the Jews began to call God the horn of their salvation. That's where it came from. You are the horn of my salvation. By this they meant that God was their deliverer who would fight their battles for them and save them from their enemies. Praise God. Amen? Amen. 
King David was a great warrior who clearly understood and appreciated the might of God in warfare. He often spoke of God as the horn of his salvation. In Psalm 18, David said to God, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and fortress and my deliverer. My God, my strength, in whom will I trust? My shield and my horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Psalm 18, 1 through 3, 2 Samuel 22, 3. Jesus is the true commander of the army of God. Revelation 19, 18 through 16. When Zacharias learned that the Messiah was to be born, he prophesied these words concerning him. Blessed is the Lord of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people, and he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, who have been since the world began, then we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Luke 1, 68 through 71. Now, Zacharias referred to the Messiah Jesus as the horn of salvation, who would then save them from their enemies. In the first century, the enemy that the Jews wanted to be saved from was Rome. The enemies were looking for a deliverer who would overthrow the Roman government and establish the kingdom of God. Yet, in his first coming, Jesus' purpose was not to destroy the Roman Empire. His purpose was to destroy the works of Satan and the sin in men's heart that made possible the evil and oppression of Rome. He didn't want just overthrow one enemy, but all enemies in every nation. He wanted to bring peace and salvation to all mankind. The battle is for the heart of man. Is it filled with the Holy Spirit? Is it filled with evil spirits? As the commander of the army of God and the horn of our salvation, Jesus defeated the enemies of our soul. But victory was not an easy one. Satan did not give up without a fight. He is still fighting. He has no power unless you give it to him. How do you give it to him? Through sin, through disobedience, through unforgiveness, through backbiting, through murmuring, through gossiping, through a critical spirit. All of these things, disloyalty, lying, cheating. We give the enemy then power. If you're under the blood, if you commit everything to God, if you repent as you know of sin, he has no power over you. But if you want to be filled with stress and anxiety, worry and bitterness, you open the doors, the gateways for evil spirits to attack you, to torment you. Satan does, didn't give up, and he's not giving up. There was a great spiritual battle involved. Immediately after Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit, he countered a spiritual warfare. Jesus drew near to the God in preparation for his ministry. Satan came to tempt him in the wilderness for 40 days. Yet Jesus overcame Satan's temptation. God was born as man. God went and was filled with the Holy Spirit. He moved with the same power and authority. Now he said, you can have if you tarry for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Again, Eagle Saving Nations. Go to my website, worldministries.org. Join it today. Paul says that Jesus disarmed and spoiled principalities and powers. Satan and his army triumphed over them. Colossians 2.15. The word spoiled means to carry off captive. It refers to an ancient military practice. 
When a general conquered his enemy, a great homecoming parade would be given in his honor. This was called the Parade of Triumph. When the general came into the city, he would strip the opposing king who had taken captive of all his armor, march him down the main street as part of the parade. The whole city would turn out for the parade and cheer the general and celebrate the victory. Then they gave him the keys to the city. We can have the keys to the city as we win, as we celebrate, as we defeat the enemy, as we're baptized daily in the Holy Spirit. <coughs> By his death and resurrection, Jesus disarmed Satan and took him captive. When he returned to heaven, God the Father had prepared a homecoming parade for him. It was called the Great Parade of Triumph. All the angels came out to meet Jesus. They cheered him by singing, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom, strength and honor and glory. Revelation 5.12 Then God the Father gave Jesus the key to death in Hades. Revelation 1.18 Paul wrote to the Ephesians that God the Father had given Jesus a position far above all principality and power and might and dominion. But also in that which is to come hath all been put under his feet, Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. <clears throat> he wrote to the Philippians, Therefore God has also exalted him and given him the name above every name, <clears throat> that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every those in heaven and on earth and those under the earth and every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord. To the glory of the Father, Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Peter writes of Jesus, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, angels and authorities, powers having been made subject to him. 1 Peter 3.22 The Feast of Trumpets relates to the Christian spiritual warfare. When we experience the reality of the Feast of Pentecost and we are filled with the Spirit, we too will experience spiritual warfare just as Christ did. The closer we draw nigh to God the more our spiritual battle intensifies. doesn't get better, it intensifies. Why? Because you're more of a danger to the other side, to the enemy. We become a threat to Satan. We, become, we begin to walk in the power of God. He will do anything he can to defeat us. You must understand these things. Why am I having trouble? Because you now are a threat. When you were not in the kingdom of God, when you're, when you're not with serious with God, you're no threat. You're a marshmallow that you're not in the way of the enemy, both of demons and men. You're not in the way. You're just nothing to them. But when you are a threat, you're attacked. You go into any battle. If you're a threat, you're attacked. If you're no threat, they leave you alone. You can be in the chow line all you want. But if you're on the front lines and you're drawing blood, you're a threat. And they attack back. Feast of Trumpets. The trumpet of the Lord. Now, ladies and gentlemen, the Lord is returning. We don't have to be afraid. And based on what we've shared today and other days, would you agree that we need your support? Because if you don't help us, we will lose America. Join Eagles Saving Nations. Eagles Saving Nations. Worldministries.org. Worldministries.org. Give us your very best donation. Let's take back America. God bless you. <laughs>